welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, uh, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel. I want to talk about uh, foot pain today. Uh, One of the members of the Podia uh, mentoring group had reached out about one of her patients who was having um, plantar foot pain, really um, not in the middle part of the plantar fascia, but on the medial and the lateral part of the heel. And uh, so we were talking about that and and discussing possible nerve entrapments. Uh, There is another episode about uh, plantar nerve entrapments. And... um, and so I was, I was recommending that she work on the muscles that could be possibly entrapping uh, medial and lateral plantar nerve, but also uh, to use the motor points of the abductors, the abductor halysis on the inner part, because that attaches back at the calcaneus. So medial heel pain caused by the tendon, maybe a tendinopathy from the abductor halysis. And then the lateral pain was close to the heel on the plantar surface on the lateral part of, um, yeah, like lateral, pretty much where the lateral band of the plantar aponeurosis would be attached. So, um, and that apparently was successful. The day after that treatment, the patient had no pain. Now, I just saw a patient this week who was having sciatica. I'm familiar with his sciatica sciatica flare-ups every once in a while. I'll see him maybe every two or three months. Um, It tends to get flared up if he has a long drive or something. But um, this time, instead of just the sciatic radiation into the hamstring or the peroneals, he was having lateral plantar uh, foot pain which I would attribute to an irritation of the plantar nerve. Really, it's the tibial nerve being irritated, causing plantar foot pain. Um, So I recommended that we treat the tibialis posterior, the abductor halysis, and then have him walk and see how he felt. So he did, and he he then felt uh, some discomfort in the arch of the foot, but not the lateral part of the foot. So I treated his flexor digitorum longus, had him walk again, no pain. So then he reaches out to me the day after treatment to say the, that lateral foot pain is back because he mostly felt it in the mornings. So I said, you know what? Come in at the end of my day. I'm not going to charge you. It's going to take me 10 minutes. I just want to release that, that one lateral uh, muscle. That's the abductor digiti uh, quinti or digiti minimi pedis, however you want to call it. It's abductor digiti minimi of the foot. 
and it is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve. So what I think happened was the sciatic irritation of the tibial nerve and the lateral plantar nerve had also affected the muscle. So he didn't get complete relief by taking pressure off the nerve. I had to actually treat the muscle. So um, I did not hear back from him, and I think no news is good news. Um, but I did treat that abductor uh, digiti mini-me, and I did a little bit more with the tip posterior and the abductor halysis because if you're gonna, if I'm going to do one needle, I might as well do four. So I um, so I treated that. Hopefully he'll feel better. I think so. Um, but I wanted to talk about those lateral heel pain and medial heel pain symptoms because um, the the term plantar fasciitis gets thrown around. It's a very big blanket term that you know um, I think often does not apply to what people are dealing with. Um, I don't think that either one of those pains are actually plantar fascia related, um, I think they're more um, either nerve entrapments or muscular overuse injuries. Um, but the plantar aponeurosis is, uh, has, a, has three different branches. There's the middle one, which is the wide one that goes to all five toes and is the one that we normally, I think, think of as the plantar fascia. But there are two other branches. There's a medial and there's a lateral branch. The medial one apparently is quite thin, um, but the lateral one is pretty stabilizing. So they all can um, eventually cause that um, attachment of the plantar fascia at the front of the calcaneus to get irritated. The way I think we should look at it, though, is that the plantar fascia is there basically to make sure that your foot doesn't collapse, make sure that your foot doesn't get broken backwards. It's a they're stabilize, It's a stabilizer that also is giving us very important proprioceptive input. So it's meant to be proprioceptive and stabilizing for the arch and the just the bottom of the foot in general. Very strong stabilizer because I think the muscles alone could not stabilize the amount of weight that we put on a foot, especially for things like running. So I think the plantar fascia can get irritated when the muscles have uh, basically gotten weak from overuse, injury, and tension. And then the plantar fascia does start to get irritated and have um, micro tears and inflammation and pain. What I think many people get is more like a um, fasciopathy, you know, like a tendinopathy of the plantar fascia, of the aponeurosis, where there's pain in, from uh, tension on the fascia, but that we, that we can address fairly quickly by addressing the muscular tension that is causing weakness of the muscles, causing the aponeurosis to be the primary stabilizer. So for instance, um, well, let's talk about the main one, the middle strong aponeurosis, which attaches in the front of the calcaneus. It goes all the way out 
and branches underneath all the metatarsals. There's like a different branch for each toe. So why would that cause heel pain? So, you know, it is attached on the front of the calcaneus. I, I think most people feel the heel pain, though, under the heel in the pad of the foot. So based on experimentation, basically, when, when it was baffling to me, you can read all you want about plantar, fasci plantar fasciitis. It's not usually very helpful from an acupuncture perspective. So what I found that was very successful was to work on primarily the soleus and the gastrocnemius muscles and eventually some of the other plantar flexors. But really, sometimes just soleus and gastrocnemius would get me to zero pain for uh, heel pain uh, plantar fasciitis patients, especially runners. And what I think is happening is that the uh, Achilles tendon, which goes down under the calcaneus in the back, and the plantar fascia, which or the aponeurosis, which is attached kind of medial uh, and sort of anterior in the calcaneus, are fighting each other um, on toe off during during walking or running, and I think it puts pressure on that fat pad um, under the heel. So there's, they're being pulled in both directions and causing terrible heel pain. And then I think as you warm up the calves, there's less pulling from the back and then there's less pain. Now, I think that's why that would give people significant relief. When that was not successful, I would have to look further into... Um, the stabilizers of the arch, like the tibialis posterior, flexor digitorum longus, um, flexor digitorum brevis, uh, flexor hallucis longus and brevis, abductor hallucis, and the abductor digiti minimi. Those are things that I learned kind of uh, by just by reading because there, are, there were no acupuncturists putting this information out when I was trying to struggle with it and figure it out. So I kind of had to really, you know, read a lot about running, runner's gait, um, how the foot um, pronates and then supinates and stabilization of the arch, the windlass mechanism, and kind of piece it together myself for an acupuncture treatment. And what I found was that the most successful treatment for heel pain and even instep pain was to treat the plantar flexors. So then you're getting tibialis posterior, getting the um, flexor digitorum longus. You may do, you may get into the flexor hallucis longus. And you know, if you know the windlass test for plantar fasciitis, it's the dorsiflexion of the big toe, which will pull on the plantar fascia where it attaches. And if there's pain there, then you're positive for plantar fasciitis. Um, but functionally, you know, the, the, the halysis longus is really important for toe off um, as a you know, walker or runner. It becomes a big problem for someone who has like a stuck big toe, a rigidus, uh, halysis rigidus, where they really can't dorsiflex because then, then their gait 
shortens and they use more hip flexor and can cause all sorts of other problems. So, um, so I really had to kind of piece that together, but I, I realized those plantar flexors were really a big winner for uh, foot pain, heel pain, instep pain. And then I kind of had to think through the anatomy for the medial heel pain, the lateral heel pain. Um, it did not uh, instantly occur to me that the abductor hallucis went all the way back to the calcaneus. Um, but when when I reviewed it in, you know, in images, I, I, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's the medial heel pain. So I started treating it that way just because of where it attaches. And then that was successful. And same thing happened with the abductor digiti uh, mini-me or quinti or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I would read that that actually could lead to plantar fasciitis and heel pain because of its attachment. Um, and then interestingly, as you look at the plantar nerves, you start to see that the abductor hallucis is innervated by the medial plantar nerve. And then the abductor digiti mini-me is is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve exactly the pattern that you would get foot pain from uh plantar nerve entrapments so it starts to make sense that you have uh the sensory and motor nerve that can irritate the muscle so you may have nerve entrapment but the nerve entrapment may be kind of like a double crush situation where you now have uh, the muscles getting tight, causing pain because of the nerve irritation from further up the chain um, from the uh, tibialis posterior usually can be the quadratus plantae, but usually it's abductor halysis. And then that may be tight because the person had sciatica or some sort of low back issue, some sort of L5 issue that would cause plantar flexors to get tight, that would cause a tibial nerve entrapment, that would cause foot muscles to get tight, that would cause plantar fascia to be irritated because the tight muscles are no longer stabilizing the arch the way they're supposed to. So you can see how the chain goes. Um, and, you know, one of the things that that is always um, something to be on the lookout for, the the patient always, almost always comes in with a, a diagnosis. You know, they come in saying, I have plantar fasciitis. And if we didn't take that and then set it aside and say, let's just see what you and your doctor are calling plantar fasciitis. And then you realize that what they were calling plantar fasciitis was medial heel pain and pain in the arch along the medial border of the arch in the abductor hallucis. Sometimes it's as simple as that. They've got medial heel pain and they've got pain in the arch because the big toe is trying to stabilize the arch because the tib posterior is not doing a good job and they are overpronating when they walk. So they need arch support and they need tibialis posterior to be released and they need the abductor hallucis to be released and possibly the flexor hallucis brevis, possibly flexor hallucis longus, but you get where I'm going. There, the, the, the big toe 
is always going to try to stabilize the arch when the tibialis posterior has gotten tight and weak and the, and the foot is overpronating when they walk. Um, and you notice I say overpronating because a lot of times people talk about dysfunction and they just say pronating. You're pronating. Well, good for you if you're pronating. You should be pronating when you walk. It's part of the gait cycle. Right after your heel strike, you should the foot pronates before it supinates. The pronation is normal. It's a good thing. It unlocks the arch. And then as you go into toe-off, it should lock the arch because the windlass mechanism, and then you supinate. So you want to pronate, supinate, pronate, supinate. That's normal. Overpronation is not good. It's, it is probably considered normal because so many people overpronate because they're, they have poor arch support. They wear terrible shoes. Um, they're, you know, or they wear shoes that do not support their arch at all. And if you're overweight and you don't wear arch support, you're going to be in trouble because it's just too much, too much weight on the arch of the foot. You're, you're basically creating a flat foot and then you're going to have strain on the plantar fascia because it's the last resort your body has. Your, your muscles have given out. They're too tight to support you. Now the plantar fascia, or I should say the plantar aponeurosis, is doing most of the stabilization. And that's not a good place to be. Let your plantar aponeurosis be proprioception and stabilization. Um, but it really it should be the muscles of the foot that are stabilizing. And if, if all those muscles have gotten too tight, then it's time for you to get an acupuncture treatment and get that stuff reset so it will be strong. And of course, um, in the process of working on someone with this kind of foot pain, we have to think about the, uh, the antagonists. Um, just because I mentioned all of those plantar, flex uh, plantar flexors does not mean I don't need to work on the dorsiflexors. Those are also going to be totally jacked. Um, they're going to be tight. You're going to have tight peroneals because you're, you're overpronating. Um, you're going to have tight tibialis anterior and extensor digitorum longus. Um, all of those muscles get a lot of work uh, regardless. So, you know, if you're having plantar flexor injury, your, your dorsiflexors are probably out of whack too. Um, the low leg is one of those situations where you really have to consider treating agonists and antagonists on almost all issues because of the way the foot works, the way the low leg works. It's all engaged. Even if it's not, even if you're doing something like the heel strike with some dorsiflexion, the plantar flexors are, are working too. Everything has to decelerate for you to have normal gait. So you have you have muscles that are doing primary function and the other muscles, their antagonists, are doing some sort of deceleration activity. Um, or, you know, even you have to go into dorsiflexion before your heel strikes so that you don't trip. And then even, even while you're doing toe-off, your your dorsiflexor muscles are still engaged in order to control the speed of everything so everything is engaged in the low leg it's not like when we talk about doing bicep curls and the triceps are relaxing uh-uh 
not like that. So, um, so you always have to think about the antagonist. But I, ju- I just wanted to put it out there that there are um, a lot of uh, there are a lot of ways to get foot pain that someone is going to diagnose as plantar fasciitis, and it really matters when you get them in your office to palpate. You need you should palpate the tibialis posterior tendon to see if that if there's a tarsal tunnel uh, situation with nerve entrapment. You should palpate the abductor hallucis, the flexor hallucis brevis. You should palpate the instep. You should palpate the attachment of the plantar fascia. Do the windlass mechanism. Feel, see if there's pain there. Um, palpate the the lateral and medial part of the heel. Um, you got to get a sense of what that patient has been told is plantar fasciitis in order to help them because the plantar aponeurosis is a big thing and there's three branches of it. And yes, it might be in distress, but maybe if you fix the muscles, it won't be in distress. You don't have to worry about the plantar aponeurosis. Um, in many cases, that's that's what's going on. The aponeurosis is like the last ditch effort to keep your foot from completely collapsing. Um, and you just need to get the strength back in those uh, toe muscle, uh, the toe flexors and the arch support to take pressure off of the aponeurosis so that it has a chance to not have pain anymore. But for the heel pain that someone gets right underneath the heel, try working with the soleus and the gastrox. That's like, that's a winner many, many, many times. And then if it's not getting better from that, then, then you could, you know, think more about the intrinsic muscles of the foot or some of the stabilizers of the ankle or the arch and go from there. But, um, you know, treating the actual plantar fascia or the plantar aponeurosis, especially the middle one, is not usually the winner because even if you're reducing inflammation in the aponeurosis, if you really haven't fixed the structural muscles that are supposed to be stabilizing the foot, preventing overpronation, etc., the the stress is back on the aponeurosis as soon as they're walking out of your office. So you really, you really, the aponeurosis is more your symptomatic indication that something is not stabilizing and it's going to be muscles. Um, so I guess, um, I guess I said what I wanted to say. I hope that was of some interest to some of you. Um, Really just a matter of think, you know, ask the right questions, find out where the pain really is, think about the anatomy, think about the nerves that innervate those different segments, the medial plantar nerve, the lateral plantar nerve. Think about the fascia and the three branches of the aponeurosis. Think about how the foot actually lands on the floor. Um, Ask them, you know, what is their activity of choice? Are they a runner? Is Are they just um, um, maybe wearing terrible shoes? You know, there's, there's no shame in having arch support in your shoes. 
you know, um, it's not, you haven't given up, <laughs> you know, sometimes you need that extra arch support, at least temporarily to get to where you don't have pain and inflammation. You know, there's no shame in having to wear arch support. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, find a good topical anti-inflammatory. In the States, we use a lot of CBD. Um, in some countries, I know you need a, a prescription. But um, but if you can get a good hemp CBD product um, in the interim while work, you know, working through the process, that can be very, very helpful too. It's, you know, even if you're correcting the muscle imbalances, if there's, there is some irritation of the aponeurosis, then that topical anti-inflammatory is helping calm that down just so they get faster relief. Um, I find that's very effective for Achilles tendonitis. I don't want to go into too much on Achilles, but, um, but you know, um, there's, that can be very helpful too as far as getting moved forward um, and out of pain relatively quickly. Okay, so that's it for this week, and uh, take care. Talk to you soon.